Greetings all and welcome to another Tales from the Ruther Library, a podcast coming to you from the Walter P. Ruther Library on the beautiful campus of Wayne State University in the heart of Detroit, Michigan. I am Dan Galadner, your host, and with me is Troy Eller English. Hey, Troy. Hey, Dan. How you doing? I'm all right. How's your fall doing? It's uh, it's all right. It's, it's all right. We're, you know, we're in, I don't know, second or third or fourth fall by this point. I think so, because it keeps bouncing around. Yes. You know what upset me about this fall and Halloween time? What? I couldn't watch The Great Pumpkin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not on streaming. It's not on TV. They took it off TV. I know. I have the DVD. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you still have a DVD player? I think so. <laughs> oh, so you didn't actually watch it. No, I haven't. No. Okay. All right. We we, uh, dust off the DVD player to watch Grinch. You have to. The original. The original. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I do not like the movie. Yeah. See. Now, the reason I'm bringing up TV is, of course, we're talking about television on this podcast. We're going to talk to Mary Wallace, audiovisual archivist extraordinaire, who has been at the Ruther Library for over 20 years and got her master's in history from Wayne State University. She has done numerous presentations on AV issues in the archives, has done the exhibits, and written two coffee table books about history of Detroit through photographs. And she is going to tell us about a very cool collection that was opened up this year. And that is the WWJ, WDIV Film, Video, and Teleprompter scripts from the 1920s to 2011. What's so cool about this? Well, imagine over 300 linear feet of newsreels, B-rolls, programming films documenting the history of Detroit and the surrounding suburbs. Anything you can imagine is here on TV, video, audio, anything you would like. Any event, large or small, that happened in the Southeast Michigan is in this collection. There's paper, there's VHS beta video, reels to reels. All right. Very excited about this because I'm sure many documentarians would love to get their hands on this stuff. So are you ready for the short list of some of the subjects and names you will find in this collection? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oakland County Child Killer. Ding. The Shipwreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Ding. Cows Contaminated with PBB. I don't know what that is, but it sounds... Sounds bad. The 1973 floods. Yes, Detroit has flooded many times before. And the Port Huron Tunnel Explosion. It also includes films of Detroit area attractions like the Detroit Institute of Art, the Detroit Zoo, the Pontiac Silverdome, Hazel Park Racetrack, Belle Isle Bridge, and footages of notable people such as Presidents Carter, Ford, Nixon, Reagan, entertainers and athletes like Diana Ross, the rock group Kiss, and Gordie Howe. And that is just the tip of what's here. Oh, there's so much more. And well, you know, why don't we just listen to this great things in this collection that we have, and we can talk to our AV archivist, Mary Wallace, about the WWJ, WDIV film, video, and teleprompter script collection. Mary, hey, how are you doing? Doing good, Dan. How are you? Now, who are you? And <laughs> you've never been on the show before. Nope. And so we always like talking to our staff. Who are you? What do you do here? Okay. Um, well, we know each other really well. Twenty <laughs> um, uh, some odd years. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, and I have been here since 1997. I am so old, and I've been here so long that when I first started in the AV department. We were actually uh, copying photographs by sending the negatives 
to a lab on campus to have prints made from them. Um, that seems so antiquated now. Um, <laughs> we can just make those scans uh, in two seconds here. But uh, in the old days, we used to have to walk them over to a lab to get the copies made. That you're aging yourself very yep. well. Yes, I am. Um, so what are the things are in the Ruther AV department that uh, some of our listeners would like to know about? Yeah, we, we have um, we have a lot of stuff. Some of the stuff we don't actually you know want to have a lot of plaques and awards, but otherwise <laughs> we do have uh, we have photographs, slides, negatives, um, film and video, and all kinds of different video: three quarter inch, one inch, uh, beta, high eight. Um, that you know mostly magnetic magnetic video. Um, and then we have audio, wire, reel, cassette, and some CDs. Not a lot of CDs. Uh, we have ephemera, buttons, bumper stickers, that kind of stuff, um, artwork and posters, really cool uh, labor posters, um, and we also have neat artifacts. We have a um, really cool baton that was used or made, actually, uh, during the Flint sit-down strike from uh, the leather upholstery in the factory, and they kind of uh, wove it into a baton for defense if they needed it um, while they were sitting in the factories there in Flint. So we have cool stuff like that. The crown jewel in the department, I think, well, of course, beyond the, the really cool uh, labor uh, photographs that we have, um, uh, we have the uh, Detroit News Photo Negative Collection, mm -hmm. which is... Which is um, Probably thousands, if not millions, of images um, of Detroit from approximately 1906 to the 1980s. So pretty much, um, if anything happened in Detroit in the 20th century, we probably have a photo of it. That's cool. And, and what is it, 20,000 have been digitized? Um, actually, that, that collection um, was part of two different um, grants, and there's about 36,000 of those. Um, those images are digitized. That's nice. That's nice. And you can see the most of them online, right? Yeah, the, those are um, in the uh, library's digital collections. We call it the Virtual Motor City Collection. I'm hoping to get a little bit of an upgrade to that soon. Um, the website that it's on is a little bit old, but we're um, working on upgrading that. That's so cool. All right. The reason you're here is you guys just opened up a wonderful new collection, very cool collection for public use, and that is the WWJ WDIV Film Video and Teleprompter Script Collection. Um, could you tell us a bit of the history of WWJ WDIV and what this collection contains? Sure. Uh, so WDIV um, began um, in March of 47 as WWDT. Um, it was the first television station in Michigan and the sixth one actually in the United States. Uh, it was owned at that time by the Evening News Association, which um, they also owned the Detroit News newspaper and uh, Detroit's WWJ Radio. Um, the, at that time, WWJ Radio was a part of the National Broadcasting Company, or NBC, Radio Network, which kind of is the reason why the current station is affiliated with NBC. Um, so in May of 47, in order to, rat, uh, to match the radio uh, station's call letters, WWDT changed its call letters to WWJ. So now we had a TV station with those call letters and a radio station. Um, and then later that year is when they f first started broadcasting um, 
their newscasts. So it was in the late 40s, uh, 47, when they started their newscasts. And then they also started daily programming where they had about six to six and a half hours a day, and they broadcast uh, Tuesday through Sunday. We actually have um, some, what I call the series, which is the 1940s compilation reels. Um, when I was going through the collection, I noticed that, and, and of course, when I got the collection, none of this was explained to me, so I kind of had to figure it out when I went through it, but we have some 16 millimeter uh, compilation reels of what looks like um, 1940s news events that uh, they all took place in the late 40s, and then obviously when I researched the station, I realized, of course, they started uh, in like 47, and then 47, you know, and then 47, 48, 49, um, but they don't really have any order to them, uh, but they're definitely things that took place in the late 40s, um, kind of put together on a reel. In, so then um, after the daily programming, it wasn't until 1969 where the FCC, um, they started to impose some um, restrictions about the common ownership of basically of newspapers, radio, and TV stations. So they wanted to break them up, but actually they were they were grandfathered in because they had been together so long. But they saw the writing on the wall. Um, so by the by the mid to late 70s, the Evening News uh, Evening News Association um, decided to voluntarily break up. So. Um, the uh, the Evening News Association agreed to trade WWJ TV um, to the Washington Post, which then made them a Post Newsweek station, um, and now it's renamed the Graham Media Group. So then, after that, which it's all these technicalities, um, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they were then at that point since they were no longer owned by WWJ radio and and the newspaper they had to change their call letters so they actually changed it to WDIV which stands for Detroit 4 IV being the roman uh, numeral for 4 yeah okay. <laughs> yeah so which made sense right um so, so that's what they are today um uh, owned by Graham Media Group and they are the only local station that actually has offices and uh studios in the Detroit city limits and you know they cover their I think they're the only station in the city that actually covers a lot of the city's uh, big events like the Freedom Festival and the Thanksgiving Day Parade which is coming up um, and they actually made their donations to us as far as I can tell we don't have a lot of paperwork on the early stuff but we had I think we got a donation in 1974 of films definitely in 83 I was here in 2013 when we got one, and then 2018 is when we got the all the donations of films. Wow! So, so what is in this collection? You say it's it's, it's teleprompter scripts and what else? Yeah, it's um. So it it starts with the uh, 1920s newsreels, um, and those are would would be under the name WWJ because that's what they were. Um, they, it was actually sponsored by the Detroit News at that point, and it was the little uh, inner titles with little clips of scenes um, that would have been played at movie theaters um, to give people news. And and that is, it's, it's, it's your typical, there's no sound, um, it's got a little title, and then it shows a little clip of what's going on. Um, and it's mostly, it seems like it's mostly human interest, um, but there's some newsworthy items in there. Um, for instance, they actually have um, a couple, couple little clips of that bath 
school bombing. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of those in there. Where there's one when the governor kind of tours, and then there's another one when they rebuilt the school. So there's a couple of those clips in there. And those, it's funny because when we got, uh, we, we got, we were lucky enough to get those digitized way back in the early two th 2000s. And when they were digitized, they were actually split up into segments based on those little intertitles, you know, the little the little uh, frames that describe the next scene. So instead of, we have about 11 films, so instead of having 11 films in that series, mm -hmm. it's actually about 495 because every little scene is broken up. Uh -huh. um, so that's, that's a really cool one. Um, and then going on from there, we have those 1940s um, compilation reels, which shows basically life in Detroit in the 1940s. Um, <clears throat> there's programming, there's station programming films. Um, we got in another um, uh, delivery that they gave us um, where they, it's it's a lot of what they came up with, what the reporters came up with, um, uh, uh, something on um, teenagers, you know, teenagers in the 60s or, mm -hmm. or stuff in the 50s, you know, just uh, series and programs that they did. Um, we have a lot of uh, B-roll, I, I consider it, there's two different series of B-roll. There's one that is small, little um, reels that are like basically, they call them excess and outtakes uh, based on uh, stories that took place in what I'm gleaning was the late 50s, mostly through the 60s. Um, those I, I received in about seven or eight boxes. Um, Actually, I shouldn't say I received them. I found them in the stacks in seven or eight boxes, and um, they were kind of tucked away and decided I needed to take care of those. So um, those were actually uh, emptied on our tables in our processing room <laughs> and sorted by subject and, um, and uh, date. Uh, and that's one. Then we have another B-roll collection, which are larger ones, and that seems to be um, what accompanied the collection of newscasts that is another series and these the bigger b-roll are basically what looks like b-roll that was used in probably the late 70s most uh, late 60s mostly through the 70s um that contains any like lots of b-roll on hoffa um the oakland county child killer um so that and, and so those were mostly stories that took place in the 70s um we have, which I think is really cool, we have um, the newscasts from the 70s, which is every single newscast from approximately 1972 to 78. We have a couple from 71. Um, and that is every film that was used on a newscast. In Now, they, never, they didn't have morning newscasts at that point, so it was noon, 5, 6, and 11. So if something happened between those years, um, most likely it is going to be on those reels. Uh, and, and then accompanying that is a non-AV non collection. It's the transcripts or the scripts of the teleprompters. And that is a really cool collection for a lot of reasons. Um, it's, it's like 50 boxes. And again, scripts from the transcripts. Um, from every, all four newscasts, um, same, same time frame in the 70s. Um, that, that collection is fascinating for, for a lot of reasons, but it's cool. It's a good accompaniment to those newscasts because if someone is interested in looking for a subject, I'll go to the transcripts first, see if they're in the teleprompter scripts, and then um, 
go to the films and see if it's actually still in the film. And then finally, the last couple ones um, we have are tape, magnetic media. Um, one, and that covers like the 80s and 90s. A lot of it is uh, media that they actually migrated from film, so we may have a film copy of it, um, but that's uh, tape, and that's mostly, they gave us one inch tape and mostly beta tape. Uh, and then finally, the last um, series that we have in that collection is the Flashpoint, which is the Sunday uh, news program show hosted by Devin Skillian, started in 1998. So we have those tapes that go from 1998 to 2011. Then they started to go digital, so we didn't take the digital after 2011. So right. it's a lot. <laughs> that, all right, you, you say it's a lot. This is a massive collection. It is huge. All right, all the archival geeks out there, we're going to talk how... How did you process this? How did you look at this and say, <laughs> okay, let's put this massive collection together into something that works? What was the procedure there? Yeah, it was, it was you know, a lot of spreadsheets. Um, and, and like I said, the one, uh, the trans, the trans, I keep calling it transcripts. It's actually scripts. The script collection, um, that was done way back in 2010. Um, and it kind of, probably because it was the easier one. It was actually paper. Um, so, you know, that was done rather early. Everything else was broken up into different parts, and we did them kind of, uh, the later stuff I did as it came in, um, went and described what was on the reels um, in a spreadsheet. Uh, like I, I said, the, the 1920 stuff, it was digitized, so we were able to break those into those little segments I talked about, and every segment was a, was a line on a spreadsheet. Um, the small B-roll collection, you know, again, I spread those out. Uh, and, and sorted them, and I was I was helped by an AV technician who actually helped me throw things in. Uh, Mark Prindeville helped me throw things in a spreadsheet for that one. Um, the the, the, uh, the B-roll, the compilation films, uh, that was me standing in cold storage and just writing down on a on a sheet of paper, and then I'd run. I I actually finished the inventory inside cold storage, and then I went and. Uh, uh, put everything in a spreadsheet back at my desk. I do have a coat that I have handy that I use <laughs> when I have to do that stuff, a, whole, a coat and gloves. Um, and then uh, I had, uh, for, for the end of the B-roll, the large B-roll, I had the help of a very conscientious volunteer um, who uh, wanted to work with film. Uh, he wanted to have, a, he wants to have a career in film. So he, uh, he came in and helped me finish that. And that, that one, what we would do is, since it was a totally separate um, collection and it wasn't even in order when we got it, um, we would take, I did about the first half. I'd take it off the shelves on a cart, bring it into our offices, alphabetize them on the cart, and then put them in a spreadsheet, and then put them back on the shelves. Oh, good God. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it took forever. Um, but luckily, David Quinn helped me with that, and we finished that. That was a very large spreadsheet. Um, and then the, the tapes, which were smaller, um, that was rather easy. That was me just kind of, you know, going and inventorying those um, and putting them in a spreadsheet. And then finally, um, the Flashpoint tapes we got um, a very detailed spreadsheet from WDIV, um, so we were able to use that, a simplified version of that. Now, all of these spreadsheets were uploaded into A-Space, and that's go. how we were able to describe them. Luckily, we were able to do that because that saved tons of time. It took me about two weeks to upload all of these spreadsheets into A-Space. 
but yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot. It takes time. Not yeah. many people realize how long it really does take to process a collection and yeah. make it worthy of description. Um, you keep mentioning there's some digital stuff in there. Um, what, what, what went into, what, what went involved with digitizing parts of this collection? And, um, yeah, can, can researchers access that digital material? Well, because of the sheer size of the collection and the time and money need, and server space actually needed to digitize moving Im images, very little of the collection is actually digitized. Um, in 2017, 0.0 um, Anthony, Bord the late Anthony Bourdain's uh, production company came in to do a documentary on Detroit based on David Moranis's book, Once in a Great City. And uh, they used a lot of our, of our material. They also, at the same time, were, were actually at WDIV, this, uh, at the station. That was before we picked up our last uh, group of records from them. And um, so they used a lot of our stuff. Unfortunately, the documentary was never released. I think after he passed, they put, that, put it on the back burner. But they still kind of... You know, they, they used a lot of our stuff. They, they still kind of owed us and WDIV for the work we put into helping them. So WDIV asked them to make a donation. Instead of giving WDIV the money um, that they would have for helping, for using their material, WDIV's material, WDIV asked them to make a donation to us um, in basically WDIV's name. Um, so they did. They 2019, they gave us a check uh, donation, and we were able to use part of that to digitize 28 of the magnetic um, tapes, the magnetic media, which is the most fragile. And also, a lot of the magnetic tapes were one inch, and we do not have a one inch tape player. Uh, so we wanted to actually, you know, obviously convert that to a medium which we could actually watch or give out. So we have 28 of those digitized. Those contain subjects, and I try to be, you know, pretty selective. We still have a little bit more money, and we can digitize a little bit more. But the first batch were um, things like Nelson Mandela's visit. Uh, we have the Malice Green trial, Northwest Flight 255 coverage, um, the, the crash in 87. There's some Belle Isle. There's some Aretha Franklin, Streets of Detroit. It's interesting that Malice Green, I, I got that uh, digitized um, uh, material back and then about a month later I had someone ask me about it and they they were actually looking for the trial and they said court TV didn't have it or something it was covered by court TV but they couldn't get and I said oh my gosh we have it so we were able to give that out right or at least let them know we haven't given it out yet we let them know we had it so it was kind of cool um, but right now, we digitize on an as-needed basis. Right. Um, when researchers want something digitized, uh, they actually pay for it through our, our lab. And then as a courtesy to us, they give us what they converted, the digital version of it. And then they take a, co they take a copy. So Of course. That's cool. That is, you're mentioning some very cool things already. So how, what is the easiest way for researchers to use this collection? Easiest way to use it? Well, I would say... Um, yeah. Um, currently, yeah. There's no easy way. Uh, so basically just to call you and bug you and say, I want this. Yeah. So your best bet is to, to give us a call and we can review the films. Or uh, like I mentioned earlier, I can look at some of the teleprompter scripts and see if it was actually covered in the news. Um, again, the, the magnetic videotapes that were digitized, those are viewable in person or 
I can grab the, the digital copies of those and, and make them available remotely. And then the teleprompter scripts, they're, they're not available remotely. That's something we want to do eventually. Um, they can be reviewed in the uh, Ruther reading room and that you can make an appointment, but you don't have to, and you just simply walk in and do research and you can look through those, those boxes. Right. Okay. So, all right. Huge collection. Just done. Congratulations. Thank you. What are the next little projects that uh, the AV department at the Ruther Library is up to? Well, for sure, one of the things that I kind of touched on was we would love to digitize those teleprompter scripts. Those are, so it's every, it's every newscast, so that's four, but then they happen to be in onion skin. So they are very, very fragile and very, very thin those and are. 50 boxes of those. Um, but I will tell you that <clears throat> that... That, those are cool. I was looking through those. I had a researcher who was looking for footage of Magic Johnson. And so when I get that kind of stuff and I can look through the teleprompter scripts, inevitably I look at, look at them and read them. Um, and it was, it was appropriate. Um, they were talking, uh, one of the scripts was about the swine flu and how the swine flu, the first vaccine came out. <clears throat> and I thought, oh my God, I don't think people remembered this. Mm -hmm. So I do remember the swine flu way back in the day, uh, but they, uh, how President Ford ordered the swine flu vaccine. Right. And, and so I thought that was really interesting. And uh, <clears throat> that collection is so cool. Um, I, you know, not only does it tell the, you know, the history of Detroit in the 70s, but it also, it, it, it gives the insight, um, a history of the broadcast journalism, and it also, it presents historical events uh, the way they were reported at the time without a second interpretation by like a historian or someone who lived through it, like your grandfather. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really cool to, to be able to read the way it was reported, and that obviously there's there's a little tint of, you know, of, of the, the the station actually putting their own spin on things, but it's still interesting to see the way things were covered uh, back then. So we'd love to get that. That would be a long term. That would be a very long term project, just because it's so delicate. Um, you know, scanning all that stuff. Uh, and currently, right now, we're also digitizing um, some films uh, with a grant, digitizing UAW films and audio with the grant that we have. Um, and uh, we're also looking, like I said, at the newer technology to host moving images online, and that, you know, you kind of have to stay tuned for, because we'll, we're hoping that that happens sooner than later. It'd be nice to have um, this digitized material available, at least parts of it, clips of it, the most interesting stuff available online. Of course. Mary, you filled us up with lots of cool information. What is the one thing, or you mentioned a lot of things. Mm-hmm. What is, when you're looking at the finding aid or anything like that, what's that one thing that goes, wow, I want to know more about that? Ooh, there's, there's, you know, that's funny. There's more than, there's more than one. Um, of course there is. There's a huge collection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, the, the cool, the cool stuff, the, the early stuff, you know, we've got shots of Helen Keller meeting Henry Ford, uh, Lots of Detroit buildings going up, Olympia Stadium, Fisher Building, Penobscot Building, all being constructed. Um, we got visitors, Newt Rockney, John Philip Sousa, Charles Lindbergh visiting Detroit. Uh, 
lots of shots. Of it. There's actually lots of, uh, it's interesting, the, the time at which the newsreels were, were done, flight was pretty new. So uh, there's lots of aviation um, uh, video clips or film clips. And um, one of them talks about, I thought it was interesting, I was looking at the, the finding aid, it talks about how a uh, telephone cable broke the fall of two aviators as the plane was crashing. <laughs> Uh, it saved them from a fall of, you know, thousands of feet. I guess these, these must have been big, thick cables, telephone cables. Uh, but in the, in the later stuff, there's, you know, I, again, I, like I said, there's, there's Jimmy Hoffa. Stuff that you vaguely remember in the 70s, but it kind of when you see the, the findings, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. The DDT poisoning. I don't know. Way back, um, there was um, uh, cows were poisoned with, yeah, um, in 1973, we had floods similar to what we had this year. So there's lots of coverage of the floods that happened in 73. Um, they also, in some of the programming, you get an idea of what was going on at the time, culture. Um, there's actually, they did a special on high-rise fires right after Towering Inferno came oh, out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it was PBB were the cows that were that were uh, right, right. poisoned, right? Um there's, you know, there's coverage of Diana Ross, uh, the energy crisis in the 70s um, with the gas lines and all, all that. Um, and then uh, in the uh, in the video, um, all the stuff I mentioned before with the, all the local local stuff, the flight 255, um, more more recent um, Nelson Mandela, the Pope. We have some of the Pope's visit, um, Aretha Franklin, and then they did a little special on. Uh, uh, 60s, peace, love in the Motor City. Um, <laughs> and then there's cool, of course, Motown footage, Smokey Robinson, Stevie Wonder, uh, 69, uh, Moratorium Day locally. I mean, there's just so much. It's, it's, it, you know, it's a lot for historians and it's a lot for documentarians. If you want uh, footage of anything um, happening in the later part of the 20th century, I bet we have it. So, yeah, it's awesome. Mary, thanks for sharing with us. Glad to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. All right, see ya. Bye. Tales from the Ruther Library is a production of the Walter P. Ruther Library and Archives of Labor and Urban Affairs at Wayne State University, coming to you from the heart of the Cultural Center of Detroit, Michigan. The producers are Dan Galadner and Troy Eller-English. The music was composed by Bart Bilmer. And of course, this podcast could not be done without the research and the support of the entire Ruther Library staff. For more information, please visit our website at www.ruther.wayne.edu. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye, Dan. All right. How's the readings? Is everything fine? Are we good? <laughs> Gotta know your mic, man. How close you can get, actually, with the mic. That's too close. Is this far away? Oh, oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs>
hey, how's it sound over there in Radioland? Sounds all right. Okay, that sounds great and groovy. Let's keep the top hits flowing on the WWJ.